In this episode, we're taking a look at the armies of Great Britain, their special rules, some of their fancier units. Let's check it out. Welcome to Trident Wargaming, a podcast dedicated to all aspects of tabletop wargaming. Your hosts are Bill and Andy. Hey guys, welcome to Trident Wargaming, episode number 40. Today we got some bolt action talk for you. I'm your host Andy, and with me I have Jason and Dusty once again. Welcome to the show again, guys. Oh, howdy. You guys doing pretty good? Keeping busy? Yeah, yeah, I'm working my B off. <laughs> <laughs> I hear that. I hear that. Been uh, working a lot myself too, but uh, always some time for hobby time, you know. So, oh yeah. So yeah, today's episode, um, going to be talking about the Army of Great Britain. Uh, we're going to go through the book a little bit and kind of their special rules, nation rules, and uh, you know some of their specific units that are kind of. Uh, slightly possibly different than other armies um and then yeah we're just going to kind of go through and what's new with, with our hobby world and what we're working on and uh kind of look at at different units and how they fit into to making armies and making strong armies compared to like you know tournament or competitive compared to like narrative or historical uh, that kind of idea. So uh, both Jason and Dusty play some different uh, lists for uh, Great Britain and or, you know, the Commonwealth units and whatnot. So uh, this will be pretty good for them to kind of share their thoughts and, uh, and yeah, and go from that. Um, I know myself, I haven't been able to play them yet, um, but uh, I have picked up a, a fair bit, so... Hopefully in the future, maybe next year, I'll get them going. So maybe the uh, maybe the Eighth Army will get out there and do some desert rat patrols, you know. <laughs> Sweet. So so yeah. So what's new with you guys for a hobby? What you guys been up to? What you been working on? Well, I've been uh, nerding it up with some uh, black powder. Mm -hmm. I. Finished, completely finished my uh, first brigade for my American Civil War Army. Nice. And, and a unit of cavalry for them. Uh, and I have built my second brigade and six more artillery pieces for them for some reason. Uh, so I, And they're primed, so I just have to paint those. And I've been working on... Uh, uh, Peninsula War uh, French Army for okay. um, uh, for Napoleonics nice. at twenty eight millimeters. Also, yeah, and for those those guys that uh, have you know looked in the black powder and stuff, me and Jason have just kind of jumped into it, so we're eventually going to be uh, throwing some battles out as well, and it's another uh, World War Games uh, system, so. Um, and any of you that have played it, you'll know what we're talking about. <laughs> so, but uh, no, that's pretty cool. And 
How about yourself, Dusty? That sounds much more exciting than what I've been up to. Oh. But I, uh, <laughs> I've uh, got myself some early Christmas presents from uh, Rubicon Models. Picked up uh, a few more LVT4 Buffaloes and uh, uh, a couple of the small uh, WC52 trucks. So I've been working on building those for my Marines so I can have a few more transport options. Very nice. And uh, tow some artillery and whatnot. Very nice. You'll have. And then uh, bounce, bounce back and forth. I also got myself a box of the new uh, Interallied Commandos. So, open that box up and try and figure out what, uh, how I'm going to build those units. So. Yeah, it's a pretty, uh, pretty nice kit. I did the uh, the unboxing for that kit, and I was quite, uh, quite pleased how they, they churned them out. So. Be a lot of, uh, I think a lot of guys probably using that that kit, making some pretty cool armies. So. I'm loving their new newer plastics. Mm-hmm. I'm uh, I'm in love with them. Right back to the British paratrooper box. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And up especially, right? British paratrooper, you know, winter Germans. Even the uh, new uh, Canadian Canadians, British box. Yeah. Uh, uh, these commandos look great. Like really, really impressed. They're super models. Yeah, they've, they've upped their game. So. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you guys uh, uh, looked at that video I I linked uh, earlier today on on the messenger there. Um, oh, I did. Yeah, I got. I went down the rabbit hole with the <laughs> the Warlord Games Day uh, talks or whatever. Yeah, because they're. I think. Uh, Staller there was talking about um, kind of their kits and revamping and, and improving uh, their kits and whatnot. So, um, and we've we've kind of realized and witnessed that just with them redoing some of the, the kits and making them a lot better, right? So hopefully that's, mm-hmm. I think that's probably the direction that they will be going in the future, just from the sounds of that chat that he had um yeah so hopefully maybe we'll see some some stuff right um i would be excited if they did the the plastic french for warlord games um i do have i believe it's war games atlantic their uh their set is coming in i had ordered it uh on the last episode of, of our bolt action series here <laughs> so, yeah so i'll be doing an unboxing of that when it comes in um, but yeah, it'd be interesting to see how they scale up to what I have right now as a pewter, um, forces. So it's, it's interesting to see as of late, it seems like war games Atlantic has been, uh, releasing on par the same miniatures as warlord games. They seem mm-hmm. to be figuring out what's upcoming. And cause I, I know they released their own partisans yeah. and, uh, I believe the Italians come out at the same time. Uh, or similar yeah. times, yeah. I think, as well. So, yeah, that's uh, that's very true. Makes sense. That maybe uh, feeding off the advertising of one, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, there's that, and the, uh, much bigger company. And... I mean, there's that, but there's also the fact that, um, and and uh, I've heard this from multiple people that when these campaign and army books and whatnot get published by Osprey, they you know they publish it and they release it to pretty much their distributors 
right away. So like we seen the covers of, you know, um, the new campaign, the soft underbelly. We seen that like, I don't know, maybe 10 months ago, you yeah. know? Um, mm -hmm. and it was the same thing with the last three campaign books as well. So, um, yeah, easily, you know, easily able to get heads up from that. Plus I'm sure there's other sources and I'm sure they're probably talking with each other too. Right. So, um, mm -hmm. but Hey, more selection, more miniatures. Um, cool. I'm all for it. Right. Absolutely. So, and, uh, yeah, War Games Atlantic, they they have different ranges for different games as well. So, um, but pretty good as long as you you have options and you know the kits are are pretty decent and uh, some of the you know some of the current guys who are jumping into the games here locally, they're they're been a little spoiled with like plastic kits from you know like Games Workshop and whatnot, but. Uh, uh, it's nice to see Warlord going that direction and in other companies as well. So that's good. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, I know I'll be watching your uh, War Games Atlantic uh, unboxing because I want uh, those partisans. Yeah. <laughs> I'm curious to see the scale difference because I already have a fair amount of partisans. Mm. But I would like to introduce some more for variety more than anything, more than numbers. And their yeah. their kits are uh, their kits are on par with with uh, Warlord Games as well. Like the amount that you get in their boxes, I think it's like thirty mm -hmm. guys as well. Yeah. So and from the pictures, the quality looks good too. So yeah, yeah. For me, for my personal needs, it'll be mm -hmm. does the scale match? Because uh -huh. I don't yeah, mind nothing. different scales in different armies. Like if I was to do a separate army with just those models but i i don't want different scales within the same force nothing nothing sets off my ocd more than scale and accuracies so. yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. A, a little bit isn't bad because you know not everybody is exactly the same height yeah. but when it's you know when their heads are significantly smaller and their hands and their you know yeah and you find that feels weird yeah you you find that sometimes with the pewters and plastics. I don't know if you guys mm -hmm. noticed that, but like, I noticed that with the Japanese um, big starter set, their their plastics were a little bit bigger than like the the pewter guys, right? So it was kind of like, ah, uh, you know, damn, I wish that didn't happen, but it is what it is. Um, well, but... and you're you're looking at the also like uh, Warlord games with the heroic thirty two mil. Or and and, and cl versus classic actual scale 156 28 mil figures from other companies like they just mm -hmm. don't don't always match up very well. Yeah, and then uh, I, and even like um, I think there was one one of our players a while back. I think he had I think he was using um, I think it was the Eighth Army and Perry miniatures. Yeah, well, there's a big difference. And they're like, yeah, they're like more realistic scale kind of yeah. scale or whatever compared to, mm -hmm. to Heroic. So, but which I think I think the Perrys look great too. 
I just don't want to personally, I don't want to mix them. Mm -hmm. I I go kind of all of one or the other. (laughs) I hear you. I hear you. That's just silliness, really. (laughs) (laughs) But it's my silliness, damn it. Right on, right on. Well, it's good to hear you guys are continuously working on stuff too. Um, you know, you know me. I'm always working on something as well. Right now, it's more of the sci-fi stuff. So, um, just a lot of uh, uh, AK enamel washing and removing right now. So nothing too too fun, but it'll look good in the end. Nice. <laughs> um, I do have some uh, Germans that I'm still trying to get going and complete i just ended up like basing um my two mmg teams uh with like the bricks and stuff and like putting some wood um you know giving them looking like they've taken up positions with some some cover and uh just did that and then uh, dynamic basing yeah and then i uh ordered actually i ordered two of the uh stugs with the uh, light howitzers on them because um, oh, yeah i didn't have them so uh that and then uh there's an anti-tank gun that i have to kind of cobble together because they don't make a winter uh german one as of yet but they do make uh, a regular here yeah. uh, army uh, one so using the crew from some of the other um, snow kits. Before kit, you can. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sun hats and still on grad. Woohoo! <laughs> you know? Sun hats and shorts and no shirt, and put them out in there. There you go. Come on. Sometimes it just gets it gets really hot loading and firing those guns a lot. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there you go. There you go. But um, yeah, getting getting this uh, rolling here. Uh, so, armies of Great Britain. Um, I guess we can start off with uh, going over maybe their their nation rules. Um, they're a bit different than most other armies because there's actually some choice selections that you can make, right? Yeah. So um, first off, you get a free artillery observer, mm-hmm. which that's, is amazing. That's big is big and they've they've helped a lot i mean it's a one shot kind of deal and you can get taken out by a sniper and and all this and that but it's a it's free b uh you know that uh that uh barrage can be a game winner it has in the past won me uh games more often than not it causes a couple of pins if it hits anything. Oh, the, I mean, uh, the bombardment is what you're talking about? Or the artillery support from the actual... The, the artillery support from the foo. Okay, yep. Uh, you know, often you're not going to get a direct hit. You know, you'll get a couple of pins. Maybe you'll kill a guy or two. But... Uh, but it's free. But yeah. <laughs> and it's free, yeah. so you can't complain. And... Yeah, 100, 100 points for free. And, uh, I mean, once that guy does his mission, once he calls in that support, you got a guy that can claim objectives. 
uh, Dustin was talking about uh, putting him in a in a otter so he can have access to a machine gun mm-hmm. and rip around, you know, taking dudes out. People don't think about them after they fire. I mean, most people forget about them. That's true. They just kind of hunker down in a building or something, and that's it, right? Or they're just uh, just casualty, just randomly, you know. Oh, there's a target. Here's a here's a kill point. Let me get them. Right. And they're great to go for, uh, uh, you know, for some cheap kills. Especially in games where you're maybe paying, playing uh, kill points. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I forget the scenario, but one of them has the points value uh, of the units you destroy. Oh, okay, yeah. And uh, his points value is zero. So. <laughs> yeah, that's like the. Not uh... that bad to risk. There's a couple armies that have that same thing. You know, the French and the Russians, they have that too. Free, yeah, free, free artillery, free yeah. squad. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's a, I mean, like you guys said, 100 points. It's free. Um, he can be super effective with his ability, calling down that uh, artillery. Um, and uh, there was another thing too that uh, I was reading as well is and you can't forget this it's another order dice yeah right? mm-hmm. so that goes to your pool and you can use that you can you know tactically use him to delay things you know delay a draw or um force you know the other guy to to, to use his dice up before you want to activate um you know a, a critical unit you know yeah exactly so i mean again that might be a detriment if you're playing a uh uh dice limit tournament or something uh-huh. where you're pushing close to the limit you know and you have other stuff you want of course you're still going to take the free guy but mm-hmm. maybe it knocks the thing out but yeah definitely in most games most average games you're that extra dice is definitely helpful. Yeah, and the the one note with him is, um, uh, and of course in most of your armies, he'll be available. But if the uh, army selector um, doesn't actually have him, you you don't get him, right? So um, just keep that in mind. But overall, can't complain. You know, mm-hmm. so uh, they also have their special rule, uh, the army special rule of bombardment. Yeah, and uh, I've been on the receiving end of this one many times. Just when prep bombardment happens, right? So pretty much you're rolling um, two dice, two dice, and choosing the best result. Yeah, so, which really you're going for a six. Yeah, you want that heavy howitzer hit for sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you hit a squad, you're going to squish one guy. It's not that crazy, mm-hmm. but if you hit that vehicle or that officer, sniper team. Yeah, 
yeah team well, weapon vehicle yeah. yeah like you said i mean and that's happened to me i don't know how many times i've lost my commander or you've knocked out my transport and not only have you destroyed my transport but you've caused damage onto the squad that's inside of it yeah or you know yeah. oh you knocked out my tank like oh like beginning of the game and this has already happened it kind of puts you you know on the back foot of damn it you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it, it demoralizes the enemy right from the from the start which maybe i mean it is a game maybe demoralizing the the opponent isn't <laughs> isn't the friendliest way to play <laughs> no but it's part of, of playing that army right? part of the game yeah it's and it, uh... it, it can be devastating generally prep bombardments are he calls a couple pins most units don't do a whole lot in the first round anyway they're just waiting for something to get into range so it's not a big detriment they'll use a a rally instead of an ambush dice maybe or yeah and that's a that's a total like yeah. um you know after having the experience and playing a fair bit and and i've done this a gazillion times is like you know when we're both fire, firing prep bombardment at each other and you know the first round and like there, I, almost every one of my units has pins mm -hmm. it, it's a pretty simple decision of what to do is just yeah, start rallying because if you don't it's going to cause you so many problems in the next few rounds yeah that... you want to rally before you got them up in your face yeah so um and i've seen guys actually try to risk you know risk uh giving them movement orders or advance orders or run stuff like that and they just fail or yeah, i'm a huge bar. idiot for that <laughs> i i do that all the time I'm an so. idiot every time. I'm like, why did I do that? But, but. <laughs> no, it's 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 a good one. Like the chances, right? You just improve, and then more than likely you're going to be putting two pins on people all the time, right? So, yeah, yeah. But um, then going forward, we do have their national characteristics and this one is is uh an interesting one and yet fairly different than other armies and it gives a little bit of you know however you want to build your army a bit of um flair and and uh just a little bit of different abilities i guess so you know it's pretty much basically some bonus rules that that the fighting men of the armies of the commonwealth and whatnot get um and instead of them you know um specifically saying okay well canadians get this or australians get this you know or who's the better fighters this and that um they've got some standard ones here that you're allowed to pick um you know for your army right and uh we can go through them here and like we have up and atom so um i know uh dusty and, and jason here they tend to use uh, a few of these i know vengeance is one of the ones that uh <laughs> dusty uses. i yeah that's that's my go-to um so yeah well okay go ahead with that one dust let's let's go with that one first and yeah uh, sure well this one's 
So any regular veteran unit that has one or more pin markers can immediately test to lose one pin marker if there are enemy within 12 inches before you give them an order. So on a four or five, six, it's passed and you lose one pin marker. If you fail, you just go along with your test as is. Uh, I find this one is uh, excellent for uh, any troops basically, but when you're kind of a, a forward a forward operating player and you like to get into those close quarters or assaults and things and like to get closer with um like uh, i use a lot of sas and uh mm -hmm. veteran units with lots of smgs so you got to get really close and it really helps you eliminate that uh not so much the leadership because you're going to pass those tests to move it really helps you with uh negatives to your shooting um you know that that uh that three to a four to a five, you know, because you've got a couple of pin markers or you're in long range and then suddenly you're within 12 inches. Okay. Well, I'm going to roll this. I lose a pin marker. That means the back to hitting on fours or threes when you're up close to the enemy. So it really helps. Now, and especially like your army's, your army's very mobile, mm -hmm. you know, so you literally are, pretty much working that close to the enemy you know yep so and you can't take that turn to rally no that kills you no yeah you need you need it you need you need to operate that turn so and i mean if you do have also if you do have those three or four pins on you because you took a hard turn well this is an automatic pin you can take away and then you get to test and you could lose another pin yeah. after you after you pass your test so you could do two pins in a turn um which really helps you out when you're that close to the enemy well, that's very valid that's very uh, good point with that so yeah it's uh take advantage of it right like if you're if you're that close hell yeah <laughs> that's pretty good Pretty good. And Jason, the one that you use, which one's the one, the one that you use? With my uh, uh, airborne army, before mm -hmm. the new list, I was using Blood Curdling Charge. And uh, that one doesn't allow the enemy to do a, uh, uh, what do you call it, a stand and shoot reaction right. when I charge at them. Especially since that's my, uh, I like, I need to get into, I get into the fight and I F them up. <laughs> there's, there's, they're not winning the fight. So I, I get in and I, I hit them and I hit their vehicles and in close combat because I have a Piat. Yeah. And, that's usually all I really get for anti-tank, so everybody has anti-tank grenades, and that's how I have to deal uh, with vehicles, besides, you know, avoiding them or whatever. But if I have to, that's that's what I do is get in there. So to have them not be able to shoot at me as a response allows me to hoof it and, and get in there quick without, you know, dinking around and and waiting for the perfect opportunity or uh or having to uh take that shot those shots at me and and uh you know leave me hurt before the fight not for sure 
And uh, it, it's funny, like, looking at both of these, the Vengeance and, and Blood Curling Charge, and especially looking at your guys' armies, because you both are actually mobile, uh, quite mobile. Um, being, you know, a veteran army, like, these are really good special rules for that. Yeah. Right? And, like, this one here... The blood growing charge. I mean, again, it's just another saving grace for those vets of that smaller squad. You know. Yeah. And if you're going in there with vets, more than likely you're probably equipped with SMGs. Right. You're going to be tough as nails because you are that toughness. You know, the the winning you on fives, but it, it's the tough fighter ability as well that's going to really do some work for you yeah in combat i i get that basically 0.5 extra attack mm -hmm. you know if you count tough fighter right uh an extra attack for every successful hit and that uh five in order to to wound me generally means bad luck dice aside that i should win most of the combats i engage in now, don't get me wrong. I have terrible luck sometimes. And that, <laughs> that goes the other way. But, uh, you know. That's fair. And the thing that's <laughs> neat, too, is, is you could essentially reverse these for your guys' armies. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And and they would still probably work quite well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, well even even the, uh, the up, at, uh, up and Adam... Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, you can you can make an assault without having to take a test. So if you got yeah. pins on you, you could use that. Uh, if you, I, I assume that's probably the same if you're assaulting a tank without grenades. So that's could, that was oh, one maybe, thing yeah. I was going to bring up that I liked about that one is the <clears> up and atom because yeah, so it's so it's literally any order given to make an assault. So I mean, when you're making an assault, you're giving them that run order anyways, right? And yeah. It doesn't specifically say an assault against, you know, a, an infantry unit. So, yeah, like, if you can drop something beside a tank, you know, get up to, to the tank line and, and do that, pff, easy peasy. No, no, uh, no test needed, right? Yeah, 100. So that's, that's a pretty cool one. And, and like Dusty was saying, with the pins, if you got multiple pins, you just... You just go. Yeah. So, again, another good one. Um, I, I actually really like that one. I think I would probably try to utilize that, um, especially with some of the heavier armored um, lists that we encounter. Mm -hmm. um, that would be fun to, to, to play around with, with some of the units in the army book. And then we have uh, we have two more. And they're, I believe they're similar, but one's for combat and the other one's for for shooting. Mm -hmm. uh, so we have tough, tough as Boots. And pretty much you're getting uh, bonus attack dice when fighting in close quarters for every three men fighting in combat. Yeah. You'll, you'll roll one extra dice. Yeah. Um, so most units are ten. Yeah. Guys. Mm -hmm. So you're... you're probably going to get three extra dice yeah but if they're full but, strength yeah 
if they're full strength and in and it's at the time they make the charge is where you count it right so if you start out with 10 that's great but if you get take a couple casualties and go down to you know eight then uh -huh. you're only you're only getting two extra dice you know rapid fire might be a little better because you can start using that quicker before you start getting whittled down uh it's the same thing essentially only for shooting yeah one extra dice for every three guys you have but again that's going to be generally a 10-man squad so you're going to well, get three extra dice that's only rifles it, though too so. and it's only rifles yeah rifles. so i don't know if that Here. counts for much i guess if you think about it it's basically uh if you you know it's an extra uh, like a like a LMG maybe you know. But... Yeah, maybe you don't pay the twenty points for an LMG and you take a couple extra rifles. Yeah, yeah, you know maybe that's a way to get in the. You know, a little extra, that way. So I, mean, I don't know. I I think I'm I'm more on board with the rapid fire than the toughest boots. So... I just don't think toughest boots is going to get you much. So, and like, if you guys were going to, let's say, a, a, a tournament, um, you know, and you're, you're building some strong lists to, to play in the terms, uh, ultimately, like, let's say the top two, would you even kind of look at, like, what would you kind of think would be your top two to take for a tournament, or maybe the strongest ones out of this, you think? For me... You blood curdling charge and vengeance without a doubt and everything else is kind of you know then it goes to up and at them and then the uh rapid fire and toughest boots would be last for sure i think i'd have to agree with that order um, for for tournament purposes yeah, yeah. the ability yeah. to take off a free like for free essentially uh uh a pin is huge and to not get like if you my list was more about getting into combat dustin's list was more about getting in there and shooting the crap out of them mm -hmm. so for him the pins were more important uh mm -hmm. than they are to me but for me being able to get there to not have to worry about the shooting you know that free round of shooting they can do uh essentially you know at me right uh, but yeah, those those two for sure are by far the best. And I, and I guess at the same time, I kind of look at this as what timeline, what era you're running if you're doing early or mid or late. Because like when I was looking through uh, the units, the early war units, there there is no like submachine guns in their in their units. So, yeah. you know, maybe maybe rapid fire has a bit more value in the early war list. Yeah, that's true. Right. Yeah, yeah you're going to have more rifles then, yeah. So, it, it's it's stuff like that you just kind of got to examine and take a look and, and I mean, you guys know me, I tend to do a lot of early war armies as well. Um but yeah, it, they can obviously be applied to you know, all the armies that you play with or build or, or you know, design um, 
across from this book to all the of course the other campaign books and theater selectors and whatnot so um but overall i mean national rules pretty good i would say compared to to most armies um and different so um have a lot of fun with that you can design your what kind of army you would you know want to make you know be it chindits or gurkhas or you know a british expeditionary force or canadians all that all that stuff right airborne well these these national characteristics are just the uh ones that come with a generic reinforced platoon when you get into like gurkhas or uh canadians uh they're gonna have their own additional special rules yeah. just for their uh, that's units. right that's right yeah because i know the canadians just got one too right with uh when they're fighting against the ss and stuff I yeah they, they have, have hatred that. against the ss and they have uh oh gee oh geez louise <laughs> Yeah, I can't even remember which one they have. Dogged is the next one. <laughs> so dogged, you could dogged. Uh, upgrade dogged. your units to stubborn for one point per man. Yeah, which and which you can be huge. inexperienced can be green for one point per man. Nice. So. Hmm. Yeah, and that's and that's pretty cool. Like it's, they've really put a number on just bringing out different rules like that for the different armies and just allows you to, to build stuff like that for whatever you want to do really yeah and that, well that's one of the biggest strengths in the book too is that it's super versatile uh -huh. I mean maybe more so than many of the others just because you also have the uh, commonwealth so flavor wise I mean, you got, I mean, Canada, Great Britain, Australia, mm -hmm. South Africa, New Zealand, you know, no, whatever, you, right? Indian yeah, and within Indian there, Island. you got airborne and Marines and, uh, uh, you know, commandos. Yeah. And you uh, even have Home Guard. <laughs> home Guard, regular infantry if you want an entire infantry. army of ladies auxiliary you can do it yeah. <laughs> you can do it no yeah, it's so flavor wise they're stacked yeah there's there is like there's a lot and but uh, you guys have got to realize that you know they were all over the world pretty much right yeah so you you know you had the european theater you had african you know uh theater there you had um in the pacific right in asia they're just all over the place so um definitely lots of options and choices to to choose from and then the book itself like you know just going through the infantry you know of course everybody has the inexperienced infantry and the veteran unit you know <clears throat> infantry and all that stuff but when you start looking at some of the specific units for the the British, um, you know, you like I said, you got the Chindit and the Commandos and the Gurkha and 
they all have their own little special rules as well, right? Paratroopers, mm-hmm. you know. Um, there's a lot of outflanking units that I've noticed. Um, yeah, Dustin knows about that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, I don't, like, most of my game. I'd probably say 98% of my games haven't really seen that happen. Right? Yeah, flanking. But going through this book, if you wanted to build a force, and like, for example, the, this the Chindit section, they have this special rule called uh, behind enemy lines. So when they outflank, you know, they ignore a minus one to their order test for coming onto the table. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty big and then on top of that they get fire and maneuver so they don't actually suffer a minus one hit penalty for moving and shooting right so it's uh it's an interesting combination because that's literally what they're doing they're creeping creeping up the line moving up doing their business and you know they're veterans Rifles, submachine guns, light machine guns. It's a pretty, pretty good unit. I can see why you know they were uh, used fairly well in some stronger lists and whatnot for uh, uh, tournaments and, and stuff. <laughs> so, and then you have uh, another one of their units is the Gurkha section, and these are your like close combat guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. They, they don't mess about. No, they don't. Um, again, they're veterans, and they have tight, tough fighters, and they have scary blighters. Um, so pretty much, they are wielding these huge blades, cookeries, cookeries. Yeah, and uh, this is a very strong ability because the enemy unit that it's fighting has its total number of attacks against the Gurkhas rounding up which is huge that's that's nearly impossible to overcome yeah like you really need bad dice rolls on the on the Gurkhas side to overcome that mm-hmm. and then you just you add in whatever characteristic you want there for your uh you know if you want that free assault or you want those extra dice they already you know they get that national characteristic too yeah, exactly. So a, a good combinations. Um, you can fool around with them, try them out. Same thing with commandos. They have some pretty good abilities behind enemy lines, just like, uh, just like the chindits. And then they have tough fighters already. Um, and then they can switch out for a, a Vickers K gun. So uh, slightly different, but they are. They are equipped fairly well. Pretty much all of them could have um, submachine guns, so mm-hmm. being able to creep up. And they're all pretty close per point-wise. So you can do a lot of that stuff. Um, well, as you go throughout the book, you know, you'll know you have your machine gun teams and all that stuff, but uh, Piat team is, is a little different. Um, you also have the uh, Blacker Bombard Anti-Tank Team. 
So that's that's a little smaller range. Looks like it's uh, just a small motor, really. One shot HE D6, 24 range. Yep. Yeah. So, but like the Piet team, I know. Uh, I know Jason uses it a lot. <laughs> I love them. I love those those things. I mean, you have to get close. Yeah. And people underestimate them all the time. You know, to be fair, they are either underestimated or way overestimated. They'll they're, they're uh, cheap. people will ignore them or fire everything in their army at them. <laughs> There's no in between usually. And uh, yeah, they're they're. At, even though I, I miss quite often because I'm famous for bad luck rules, uh, the times that they do hit and make that tank explode, it looks super cool because you got to get right up close and personal. You know, usually you know, they're running in the middle of the street out from cover, pop up and, uh, and take that shot, take out the tank. I'm cheering. The enemy's crying. Everyone around <laughs> me is cheering. They carry me on their shoulders out of the door no that never happens but no uh, I'm excited. <laughs> i can picture it <laughs> <laughs> it's just like one of those uh, old sports movies I, i'm the champion with that guy <laughs> but it is exciting it's a fun it's a fun unit they uh maybe a bazooka is better but uh i like running it and getting close yeah. it fits the feel of my army Nice. And uh, in the new Canadian Airborne list, I can have a unit with up to four of them. Nice. So look yeah. out for that, gentlemen. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah, it's some good units. Um, as we keep going forward, we have, of course, the usual, you know, sniper, flamethrower, mortar teams. There's Those are all pretty generic. Um, then you start going to artillery, which, um, again, generic, and I've noticed a lot of it. Um, they actually have a lot of, like, uh, heavy anti-tank guns and whatnot, and mm -hmm. some super heavies, which is pretty cool. Um, there is one that kind of stands out, and it's the 3.7-inch QF double a gun oh yeah yeah um so it's actually a large team it's a six-man team and it's a, a heavy anti-tank gun and it's 100 points has flak but it has an improvised roll rule where it's uh it can actually attack ground targets the only thing is when it does it actually gives itself a pin marker just to represent like the mechanical strain of the gun on upon its crew, right? Yeah. So interesting. Uh, it's a heavy tank gun, so I mean that's a that's a big shot coming at you. Uh, but it's neat that it can play both roles of of anti tank gun and then flak as well, right? So that's a pretty neat one. And it's actually underneath like artillery and not flak, right anti-aircraft guns 
So. Hmm. But there's a lot. There's there's a lot more. You know, like the Bofors and whatnot. Um, but once you start going into the tanks, this is where it really starts getting interesting. Because <laughs> there yeah, is, yeah. there yeah. like we're not obviously not going to go through them all here, but there's so many, and so many different types and and configurations. Um, if if you really like the British tanks and whatnot, like this is, you know. This is this is the place to be. Um, yeah, they're they're light tanks. I've noticed uh, multiple machine guns, which is which is great. You know, um, most tanks and stuff will only have like one. Some of the earlier earlier war and lighter tanks, but there's mm -hmm. a few a few here that will actually have like you know two to three. And if you got that mobile machine gun platform um definitely could do some work right yeah so and then of course all the tanks you know uh cruisers and crusaders and cromwells and uh the old dirty churchill and matildas crocodile Crocodiles. Yeah, if anything, you just you know you want to be creative. You just go with the just just pick the name of the craziest tank in here. You know? <laughs> <The> Challenger, <laughs> Comet, yeah. Tilda Frog, like whatever, go crazy. Yeah, there's there's there is a lot and um, a, a variety of just guns from you know you'll get a couple super heavies um, and heavies and whatnot. Uh, you'll get your Shermans in here as well and your you know your grants and your lees um stewarts all that stuff so, yeah all your american tanks yeah. yeah in the british service and then of course you'll have your you know beloved firefly as well so pretty pretty neat uh, and then tanks tank destroyers as well you got in here um any special rules that really stand out into the tanks um not that i've really kind of come across uh there's of course some that are vulnerable just due to the uh, u.s tanks being used you know catching fire all that stuff mm -hmm. um churchills are slow of course um but as as to be noted considering how big they were uh other than that yeah pretty straightforward like it's a lot of lot of different uh, choices, choices for them, and uh, same thing with their armored cars. They've yeah, got there a are lot of armored options. cars. Because again, they get the American options too. Yeah, and I think there was um, I can't remember which one it was, but there's an armored car that has it's armed pretty much like a tank <laughs> but um, you can use some of these armored cars and almost do like a tank shock on artillery and stuff and wreck them it's pretty neat yeah the Humber scout car the neat thing about these is um, you know you can really make uh, those 
you know, armored divisions if you want for like tank war as well, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like there's tons of options in this book for tanks and armored cars and uh, tank destroyers and all that stuff too. And then plus like mobile transports, uh, you know, the Bren carriers, the infamous Bren carriers and the, you have the Jeeps as well. But uh, Bren carriers seem to be quite popular though. Um, I have eight of them. <laughs> well, like, I mean, like know. I said, quite popular. <laughs> what are the, what do they make? A hundred hundred and twenty thousand during the war. Oh, Something so like many. That. Yeah, so many of them. But if you and got they're... you got small units, you know, pack them in those uh, brand carriers like Jason does, and they're awesome, right? They got uh, turn on the spot, so. You know, they can execute a full speed rain, a run rate in reverse, and there you go. So, 7 plus mm -hmm. armored carrier. And they got, uh, uh, they can be used for tow if you want to. They have, uh, they can be, jeez, uh, uh, upgraded with a, an additional LMG, which is flak, uh -huh. uh, which can be a I mean, in the one list I do for my Canadian Scottish, I have them all uh, mounted in in these uh, Bren carriers. So there is zero risk of aircraft when you have, <laughs> you know, depending on the size of the game, but seven or eight Bren carriers all with flak-capable machine guns. There's no way... Anything's getting to the table. No aircraft and getting there. I mean, you're already open top, so why not, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So daka daka daka. <laughs> so so Bren yeah. also has the uh, the lovely uh, wasp as well. Oh it's yes, thanks. Canadian vehicle. Get yourself some flamethrower action. <laughs> you know what this open-topped uh, <laughs> vehicle needs? A giant tank of fuel inside of it. <laughs> a, a little nozzle to shoot it. <laughs> God. There's, by the way, if you want to look up really cool pictures, there are some super cool pictures of these things ripping around. Uh, videos and pictures of these things ripping around firing their, their flamethrowers. Uh, I've seen a couple pictures of them doing jumps off of dunes and stuff too. Like, yeah. Getting full air. That's awesome. Yeah. I don't know for sure, but I have a feeling that the crazy guys are putting these... Uh, oh, probably. These <laughs> yeah. probably. Bill doesn't seem right in the head. Let's put him in that. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. But yeah, it's like overall... I mean, pretty strong book, I would say. Um, a lot of good units, a lot of good options, uh, yeah. a lot of fun units. So uh, if you're interested in the, in the Brits, definitely take a look at the book. Um, compared to, you know, uh, if you're doing tournaments and, and trying to make some strong lists, you definitely have a lot of options in there. Uh, if you're making historical armies, of course, the whole game is really about that being historical, right? Um, yes. 
there's a lot of theater selectors, a lot of campaign books out there too. Um, so, you know, stuff like These, that. I mean, Germany and Great Britain for sure have the most options out of any, mm -hmm. out of any uh, army, you know, yeah. uh, not just unit wise, but theater selector wise. Yeah. I mean, Germany is the bad guy almost everywhere. So they're, <laughs> I mean, they're, uh, they got theater selectors coming out of Wazoo, but even they don't have theater selector for Pacific, but these guys do. Yeah, so really they're, the the most diverse you know depending on what you're looking for you can probably find a list that matches your style of game and you can make it thematically appropriate you know, sure. like uh i i i like uh you know history inspired gaming some people go too crazy you know the rivet counters and whatnot which is <laughs> fine but uh but I like to go history inspired and and hit what I can and still keep it uh, still keep it a game. And this, uh, I mean, this book is the best for that, absolutely. For and sure. of course, it builds on to all the other, you know, what is it, six or seven books that basically add on to this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So and, and like you guys being you know quite experienced with playing this army um as an example if you were were going to let's say a las vegas tournament or something and you know you you know that it's um story driven but yet it's you know it's still going to be a little bit of competitiveness in in an, uh, this you know tournament what would you guys say what era I guess, would you kind of build your army from, you know, would you, would you try to try to go with the early war or do you think the mid war is pretty good or, or is it more going to go with late? I think really, I mean, if you're go with whatever you want to think is coolest, but mm -hmm. if you're trying to do well at a, in a tournament setting, I think the later war has more options and better guns. Right? Yeah. Like, uh, you got the option with the 17-pounder uh, uh, anti-tank gun inside a, a Sherman, essentially, right? Uh -huh. uh, you don't have that Early war, early war. All of your guns are going to have a hard time fighting against anything later war. You know, right? Which makes sense. There's a reason that they stopped using vehicles when they did and moved on to other vehicles is is because of those mismatches were going to occur. Yeah. So uh, no sense recreating those in those kind of settings. You know. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Yeah, no, just... there are there are a few lists that you could like. It's speaking for myself, like the the LRDG SAS lists can still do a lot of damage um, even without the armor penetration. You know, you're fast moving, yeah. you've got 
three mach- three or four machine guns per transport or per your armored trucks you know you've got veteran tough fighters with uh you know pumping out at least 14 shots for a five-man squad kind of thing like it's you're you're gonna you're gonna hold your own for a little bit you know until a tiger comes on the board yeah 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 yeah, i definitely that's the exception i think yeah lidg or or mid four sas kind of oh i hear you and and you know asking these questions like it's it's still a game so i mean you're, you're going to come across those kind of events and or players um you know so uh, like i know when i go to vegas in in january i'm definitely going to be checking out the bolt action scene to see you know guys lists and kind of talk with people there and, and whatnot uh, just to kind of get the feel and, and idea of the scene there because i mean i i've yet to really actually go to an official you know uh, tournament because we don't really have anything here uh canada really especially yes. on the west coast you know we don't really have much but hopefully that will change <laughs> um but to check it out in vegas because i you know i know in the states they have tons of events tons of tournaments so um and then of course you know checking out some of these other podcasts and whatnot too um a lot of them you know definitely uh, do these events and it'll be interesting to see um you know what units are being used and how guys you know kind of are playing their armies and uh, what's the i guess the meta for that area compared to like you know here at home right um and i think here at home we're pretty good pretty solid uh nobody's really gone you know off the wall kind of thing but uh we all have and play some pretty decent armies and have a lot of fun with it so it's always good to see that and um i think ultimately i'm sure you guys probably agree but uh we definitely have a lot more of a funner time when you know you're you're playing against the same kind of era or um you know it, it's a, a special event you know with some kind of theme to it yeah right so yeah. and that's just how i mean that's just how i roll is i prefer the themed you know history informed or history inspired uh style gaming and i like playing through adversity so i i like playing a mismatch sometimes you know uh so i'm i'm all on board with that but i get that people want to be competitive that's just not my shtick yeah i'm a lot more uh, beer and pretzels than uh gold medals oh oh for sure yeah, I, from what I've seen from the the a lot of the guys who've uh, taken their tournament experience and either blogged with it or, or created a video series, you know, a lot of the a lot of the players in these systems, it looks like they're out there to have a good time. They're out there to win, but they're not those. You know, they're not the kind of power gamer you might get in a different system. Yeah, no, or a different 
no style of game. No naming other games. No, no naming other games. <laughs> and uh, I'll point out too that out of all the other uh, tournaments and stuff that I've seen, you know, in the U.S. and uh, some of the guys I follow, uh, their terrain is like so far beyond other unnamed game systems. Mm-hmm. On 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 the average, you know, tournament table. Yeah. Uh, you know, and also like the scenarios that I've seen. You know, or look uh, themed even in a tournament setting. You know, so they're they're trying to, you know, milk that uh, or not milk that, but uh, trying to get that experience even in a a more competitive setting yeah. you know? hone hone it into that and yeah and you know and that's that's totally awesome and that's totally cool right like um i know in experience with the other games we've generated you know our own homegrown missions with a little bit of of fluff and storyline to it and even changed some parameters of the mission you know to incorporate certain things so that you're looking at this mission and like oh okay well it's not just kill points i have to actually deal with the objectives you know what i mean or the objectives are actually interacting with you in your game instead right you know um so the nice thing with with bolt action and and scenarios you know you can create that mission and and try it out and try to balance it and probably can guarantee you anybody playing is going to have a fun time you know and there's probably going to be some kind of uh something is going to happen that you know everybody's going to like okay that's cool right and as an example um when we had our big tank war battle and dusty came out and he was crossing the the river to get to the objective with his uh his bu- was it your buffaloes, Dusty? His buffaloes, yeah. 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 You know, and everybody was like, oh, man, that's so awesome, right? Nobody was expecting it because they're, they're looking, oh, those aren't tanks. Those are just little transports. <laughs> well, not little, but um, but yeah, it's it like, wow, Dusty's going after the objective, and now he's a threat, right? Yeah. And because he has the ability to do that, whereas you look at over at the opponent's side, and it's like just this big gray german steel machine you know gun column of of just panzers and whatnot and you're just like oh boy (laughs) yeah but could have won the game kind of thing right you know um but yeah overall it's like i said it's a game and it can go either way as long as you're having fun and uh i can definitely see I can see the 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 both sides, you know, of the player. I guess you can say, um, especially myself being in other systems and with other gaming groups. You know, there's a little bit of the competitive side, and then um, in other games as well. It's just you know what, I'm just having a lot of fun just playing and going out there and hanging out with the guys and playing and and win or lose, right? So. Um, but definitely, you know, getting back on track here, I guess, um, 
it's it is one of those armies that has a lot of options uh for if you want to you know check out an army for tournament setting or if you just wanted to play locally and fluffy wise and, and historical wise definitely a great army to look at and and definitely great models to pick from a lot of plastics uh, the pewters are pretty nice nice they have a lot of characterful miniatures as well um so yeah i would say uh, probably one of the top armies for that kind of thing hey i'm sure you guys agree with that yeah. for yeah. sure <laughs> well nice and no. even just like off the top of your head you have the you know the airborne and the airborne have special character models uh -huh. you know the uh like uh uh the commandos and they have special character models and yeah. you know standard british you know so you got i mean so many model options oh, definitely <clears throat> and even some of the sets have you know different uh, head swaps and stuff too right like the uh yeah. eighth army group has yeah. A whole bunch of different ones too so um but yeah overall great great army book great miniatures great experience to play them i'm definitely looking forward to that uh hopefully next year i'll get the eighth army all painted up so but um again you know i hope you guys enjoyed the episode and uh Thanks, Jason and Dusty, for jumping on again here with me. It's always super enjoyable. Um, lots of great ideas and, and thoughts shared, you know, between the three of us. So definitely, uh, obviously, we'll have you back more and more. <laughs> um, for sure. And, um, you know, for anybody out there, if you're curious what the guys have you know what they run in their armies i'm sure they would be willing to share uh you know what they run and stuff and ideas and uh yeah just post away in the comments or reach out um, we can definitely uh, get you in, in contact and send you thoughts and whatnot for lists and units um and yeah thanks for for checking us out you know and of course the usual spiel you know check out the instagram facebook Podbean, all that stuff. And uh, yeah, keep chucking dice and having fun. And we'll see you guys on the next episode. Trident Wargaming. Build it, paint it, play it.